test, test, testing my love for you. <laughs> so. Oh, I know something we can talk about. Right now. Um, for the podcast. Okay. Where do you want it in the podcast? I don't know. You don't, I didn't even tell you what we were going to talk about yet. <laughs> the millions of movies we've seen lately. Fuck it, we'll do it live. You can always just edit it, right? Yeah. You're pretty much a pro at that by now. I didn't post. We should do a live one of these one day. Alright, so, welcome to episode 10. Woo! It says woo in the show notes, so <laughs> it we does. Had, someone had to say it. <laughs> We where finally got there. Where we were and how far we've gone. Are you okay? Do you need to start over? No! Well, where were we? I don't know. I don't know. When did we start this? Like a year ago. In January. Was it January? Yeah. Holy crap. May- no, maybe it might have actually been December. I'd have to look at when the first one was posted. So, I mean, we almost got one a month. Almost. Almost. I know we were shooting for two a month originally, but yeah. we since lowered our expe- shoot, expectations. Shoot for the moon and you'll land amongst the stars. <laughs> yeah. Or at least somewhere soft where you don't get too hurt. So, let's see. We started out with uh, two distinct projects yep. that we definitely were going to do. And goals that we were going to meet every week. And, and punishments. we sure didn't meet them every week. <laughs> and we sure... Punishments and rewards, and none of that happened. Hey, the punishments and rewards happened. Well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, those were everybody's favorite part to watch. To watch on their, yep. on their, on their podcast screen. I mean, if they're blind... <laughs> Watching your mind's eye. Yeah, well, they also have super hearing, so I assume it makes them have a better imagination. Follow-up. NaNoWriMo... How'd that go? Uh, I got to like 17,000 words and wow. then stopped because there was a death in the family and then Trump won the election. How many pages was that? Uh, it was like 24, I think. I can I can open it up right now. You can check. I did about 10 pages. Oh, man. Yeah. Which was more than I expected to do because I started like two weeks late and gave up a week early. I literally named it NaNoWriMo. There it is. NaNoWriMo. You know what's funny? I've been thinking, maybe I could turn this into a tabletop. I mean, isn't that what we think about everything we've ever done in our lives? Pretty much. We should just start a tabletop podcast. I mean, why didn't we? That's a good point. Adults in training is cancelled. <laughs> well, no. We're training adults to play tabletop games now. It works. Four pages. Good job, buddy. You know... I did say that the next time we play a tabletop, we should just record it and make it a podcast. Yeah. We should throw that out to the settlers. This is, the suspense is killing me. <laughs> Why is it taking it's so be, long? It's taking like it just six can't... hours to load each page. 20, 21, 22, 23, 24. It's not even going as fast <laughs> as I was counting. 26? Are we done at 26? I think we're done at 26. Okay. 26 pages. That's pretty good. All right, let's get the official word count. Tools. Oh, you can do that on here? I always copy and paste it because I don't know how to use anything so I'm old. So literally right under 1,700. 1,650. 1,650. 1,500. 1,500. Apparently I made uh, 8,000 characters at that time. Excluding spaces. 72,000, Josh. All right. So yeah, I mean, I mean, I didn't. You didn't not do it. I, I t- <laughs> which is more than I can say, pretty much. Wait, this is the wrong one. And I'm like, which this this podcast is a mess. This is the worst tenth anniversary episode. Yeah. <laughs> or the most. Or the best. Apropos. Follow up. The election. That sure happened. Wait, is that on here? We didn't talk about that last time. No. Uh. That's my opinion. Yeah, that happened. Um, That's sure something I want to relive. The party was fun. Yeah, it was. Until towards the end when everybody got depressed. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, like, there's the last the last hour everyone was just... Like, just kind of laying there. It was really weird. But before that, it was pretty... Pretty, pretty good. Yeah. That's well, alright. There were... Uh, 
you do another election day party when the electors cast their vote? <laughs> Electoral college party. How many? There's like three that have already said they're not voting for Trump. There's more than that. There's two in Texas alone. Oh, okay. Um, like, I don't think he's going to lose the electorate or anything. No, but it might. it's probably going to be more uh, faithless electors than in any other election in history. I mean, three, I think, is probably about how many there's ever been. Like, they're usually, like, very... Actually, no, I think there's been, like, one or two elections where there's been a good handful, but usually they go very faithful to what their state tells them, which we could get into a big debate about the Electoral College, but yeah, the party who won likes the Electoral College and the party who lost doesn't, and that will change if or would change if the results were the opposite. Which it almost seems like we shouldn't get rid of it if whoever right. exactly. has it just if conveniently you, likes yeah. it. Unless you can both agree it sucks. I mean, it's it's like compromise. Like, a good compromise in the end, nobody's happy. It's the way it should be. No one should be happy. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Alright, Bo Burnham. I don't really remember what we talked about. Uh, uh, I think we talked about how slow he was to put out material. Yeah. And like that kind of stuff also just how you thought he was funny and we're listening to him more yeah um, i still have that's still a thing yeah we talked about how like he takes a long time and people give him a hard time and do artists have a obligation to their consumers that kind of stuff okay so a, oh so i have a clarification that's why i thought the movie. so he felt that if you focus on long-term projects they're more impactful and have a longer shelf life than like IV drip media which is like a YouTube video every week or whatever right yeah so I don't know how do you feel about that does that change your I don't really remember what you said before so I don't know if it changes I said that it basically I said that I feel like they have a certain degree of obligation but more in the sense of like someone like George Martin giving us five books and then not getting us a sixth to finish the series versus someone like Bo Burnham who it's not like his previous work is ever contingent on his next work yeah and I get what he means and I guess I can understand the idea behind it but like what if you focus on a long-term project for three years then it sucks whereas if you're putting out something if you're constantly creating it's not necessarily, like, a better or worse form, I don't think, because, like, you might put out some stuff that nobody cares about, but you also might put out that one... It's, it's like the shotgun approach to creating media, almost. Like, statistically, you're bound to get something that resonates with someone, which I guess some people could see as kind of cheap, but to take another internet sensation, look at, like, Wheezy Waiter, who for a long time was putting out a YouTube video a day, which is a lot and too much to watch a lot of the time. But at the same time, he's not trying to make a specific impact with one video. He's making an impact with his, like, collected work on YouTube. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I think it really just depends on what you're shooting for. But if you shoot for the moon, at least you'll land among the stars. That's the quote for the day. Stars. Man, every time someone talks about shotgun, it makes me think of when I worked in the meat department. Because one time we found a bunch of shotguns. No, what's the what's the shotgun bullets? Pellets. Pellets. Yeah. We found a bunch of pellets, shotgun pellets, in a cow's like <laughs> ass meat. Uh, because and I was like, why? why? And one of my one of them was a hunter. And he says, he's like, oh. Apparently, basically, cows can be shot in the ass and be fine. And a lot of like country bumpkins who have nothing better to do will just, will just go and cows. shoot cows in the ass because they think it's funny. It's a little bit funny. Yeah, yeah, but then we had to throw out all of that meat. Yeah, because you know you can't eat a bullet. Well, I guess you I mean, could. <laughs> technically, you can eat anything. <laughs> you can eat anything once. <laughs> Alright, so apparently there were a lot of ums the last time I edited because I have, we should make an um jar on here and have like an um tally each episode. So. Well, you already said it a couple times just now. Really? 
Well, there, we, there you go. Well, because you had to read the show notes and they say the word that we're not supposed to say. All right, those ums are in quotations. They don't count. Okay. <laughs> you have to do the quotations when you do them then. Um. <laughs> there you go. Uh, oh, God. <laughs> there you go. There you go. That was an uh, not an um. <laughs> they count. Yeah, they do. So what, are we, what did you say when you talked about? Oh, mo- all the 500 movies we've seen? Yeah. We've seen like a million movies. That's an under, understatement. Uh, an understatement? Yeah. Five million movies. Yeah. Yeah, it's an understatement. That's actually the one I was looking through. I was trying to be sarcastic, but then I failed at remembering the word <laughs> I wanted to be sarcastic with. What did we see? We saw, well, I saw Arrival. That was like Yeah, the, I didn't see that. The, I that was like the first one in the chain for me, I yeah. feel like. Uh, Doctor Strange. Oh, no, yeah, I saw yeah. Doctor Strange before that. Doctor Strange was awesome. It was a lot better than I expected it yeah. to be. Like, I didn't expect it to suck or anything, but I was not... I didn't have I think awesome... I, I think I went in with, like, zero level expectation. Yeah, pretty much. Just, like, I don't know if this is going to be good or right. bad. I expected it to be fine. I did look at... Um, oh, my God. Now I'm going to think about it every time I say um. But this is the whole point, to make me stop saying it. I looked at, I always look at, like, Rotten Tomatoes, and I know it's, like, a populist, like, it, it's, it's the just, best way, Josh. Yeah. The Democratic. The voice way. of the people. The voice of the people. Yeah. Well, you know what? I love academics, and they're weird, super <laughs> narrow, obscure books and stuff like that, so... I don't always enjoy the voice of the people. I actually, when I go on Rotten Tomatoes, I look at like the overall score and the critic score oh yeah i usually do that and i kind of like because i don't care about most critics enough to like go to like that critics web page and see what they said but there you can just like scan blurbs that they say so i'd be like okay these five critics said it was bad why'd they say it was bad then these five said it was good why'd they say it was good and it's like if their reasons for saying it was bad are like bullshit like if they're saying we're sick of superhero movies and we don't need more of them then i'm like okay well I want to go see a superhero movie, so obviously this review isn't applicable. Yeah. So. But I really liked it. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, I usually check Rotten Tomatoes just to see it, it gets at least a 50%, basically. Yeah. It's yeah. like, all right, you've hit that bar. <laughs> like, half of the people like you. So it's like literally a coin toss. Yeah. But no, I thought it was really good, especially in IMAX 3D, which was way too expensive. But You saw an IMAX? Yeah. We just saw it in regular theater. Yeah. And we got his, we had to see his fractal baby hands in IMAX 3D. That's awesome. It was not. It was bad. <laughs> Kimmy actually got a little motion sick, I think, a few times. I really enjoyed it in 3D. I thought it was really yeah, cool to I watch all the really fractals good. and everything like, like that. Like them going through the city, like towards the end. Yeah. yeah. The cli- like all the kaleidoscopic yeah. stuff. All the art inspired by the 70s and 60s drug music movement. <laughs> <laughs> I just said um, it's contagious. <laughs> Okay, so we saw that. That um, Fantastic Beast. We saw Arrival, so if you want to talk about Arrival. Arrival is really good. It's sci-fi. If you like sci-fi, it's definitely worth seeing. It's based off of a short story from like a like a book series. No, not a book. Like a book that has a bunch of short stories in it. That are apparently all really good. Uh, I did not read the short story. I went in blind because I figured it's supposed to be like a twist movie. Right. So why would I read the short story and get the twist ahead of time? And I didn't really feel like... Re- like, it's one of those things where if I know I'm never going to read the book, I just yeah. suck it up and see the movie. I actually talked to my dad's girlfriend's daughter's boyfriend. As, yeah, at Thanksgiving, he was talking about it. He's a really cool guy. But they went and saw it, like, her daughter and her boyfriend... And her boyfriend did read the book ahead of time. Like, he hadn't read it, read, he hadn't read it before knowing about the movie, but he found out about the movies, like, this looks really good, I'm gonna read the book first. And he says that he really wished he didn't read the book first. Because he said, A, it was mostly very faithful, and B, whatever the twist is that I don't know, is, like, watching the movie knowing that it's coming the whole time was kind of underwhelming. He said it was still very well done, it just lacked any kind of, like, serious impact. So basically, probably isn't a good movie if you know the twist. Yeah. Which, unlike things like, like Fight Club is a good movie if you know the twist. Like if you, like you don't want to know the twist, but watching it a second time is still good. right. You um, look, you watch it again for continuity errors. 
like Twin Peaks. Twin Peaks, which we just started watching. Well, I've seen it before, but yeah. started watching together with Mike and Kimmy. I'm excited about Twin Peaks. The future is now. The future is Twin Peaks and Dale Cooper and damn fine cups of coffee. Twin Peaks coming 2017. Ah, oh, we should have gotten donuts for tonight because they're like a running thing in Twin Peaks. I'll text Kimmy right now. Okay, so there's another. Oh, Fantastic Beasts! Yes, Fantastic Beasts. A fantastic movie. It was I'd fantastic. Say. My you one of my few complaints is something I didn't notice till someone pointed out to me is that basically there's not enough people of color in 1930s New York. Yeah, <laughs> I never really. That's probably since made by British people though. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was thinking. Like, which is a kind of a stupid thing to say on the surface, but really thinking about it. Well, then you'd think there'd be more Indian people in it. That's true. Well, I don't know. What did 1930s England look like? Well, I think they, like, conquered India and stuff. Oh, yeah, they had, but how many Eng- or how many Indian people were living in England? Is- I have no idea. Yeah, I imagine not many, but I don't know. My English history isn't that great. I feel like I should know. Yeah. God damn it, now I keep doing it. <laughs> okay. But, yeah, I thought it was really good. My one... I had a small issue with the movie. Two small issues. One was the very end. But again, I can't really say exactly what they are without spoiling it. My other issue was an intuitive leap made by several characters. Without them ever having a scene. The one character thinks they figure something out. And then all the other characters in the next scene all seem to know... But, like, in a very dramatic way. Like, again, trying to avoid spoilers as much as possible and be super vague. But I wish there had just been some bridging the gap there. Because all of a sudden people are doing something that seems really out of character if they don't know this information. There's actually a really interesting connection I'd make with that. So, I'm rereading the Harry Potter books. As you know, but the listeners may not. Um, After Sam reread them... Well... She reread the first four and then read for the first time five through seven after me getting on her ass about it for the last for five years, years of our yeah. relationship. Yeah. Because I'm and she's like, Harry was too whiny in the fifth book. I'm like, because he's people 15. died and he's fifteen. Yeah. Oh my god, he blames himself for someone's death. I'm trying not to say who specifically because I don't want to spoil that, but Alright. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> I have actually noticed that a lot of times in J.K. Rowling's writing, and I think this is just a writing choice from her, that she just thinks that that the audience is will make that intuitive leap yeah. that they said that. Like, because there's a lot of moments where she's like, like Ron said this. I'm like, wait, Ron didn't know that, and it's like, oh, but I guess there's enough time in between. They must have just discussed there it. There is stuff so, like off screen. Yeah, there's yeah. off screen. So she actually does a surprisingly large amount of off screen, just like. And it's kind of, like, I actually kind of like it. I don't know. But I it's different. In, it might be different in a movie. I think so. it is a little different just because you only have, like, two hours. to. I know you only have two hours to tell the story, so you need to fit everything in. But it's, like, the majorest of plot twists to yeah. the movie. Like, the most important thing the entire plot hinges on probably deserves a scene, I feel like. Yeah. So... That's true. But I do definitely get what you're saying. And I do typically appreciate that. I don't like a ton of hand-holding, and I'm fine with subtlety. Like, when you watch the original, like, first season of Game of Thrones, I didn't know half the characters' name and names until, like, episode six. So, I definitely get fed up with too much hand-holding. But, I don't know. It just felt jarring to me. It's tough to talk about it without talking about it. Yeah. But what that one character does with that other character is just very extreme from going from, like, point A to B. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not defending the choice. I'm just saying I think... Because this is the this is the first screenplay she's ever written. Like yeah. She didn't write any of the screenplays. Yeah. So I wonder if it's just a translating of her book writing to screenplay right, probably which is interesting um no i, I did the um yeah overall so, though i thought it was a fantastic movie yeah i really liked it i didn't really like i was reading some critics just to see like 
let me see if there are any issues of it. Like, let me be a nitpicky yeah. English major about this. Yeah. And I'm like, a lot of these I feel like are just, they're like nitpicky in the worst sense. They're just fine, trying to find something to complain yeah, about. Yeah, find something to complain about. The old, yeah, like, I, I think I agree to you with a point, with you to a point about that. And then the people of color thing is just like a dumb oversight, I feel like. Yeah. And there's, like, a few complaints about the lore, which you wouldn't even necessarily know about if you didn't go on Pottermore. Like, the thing right. about, like, Native Americans being... Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's <laughs> concerning. Not relevant to the movie. Yeah, not so. relevant to the movie. So, like, not even, like, really yeah. an issue. Or, uh, here's, here's a nice hot-button question. How do you feel about Johnny Depp being in the movie after being accused of spousal abuse? <laughs> we can move on. We can move on. I didn't care. I sh- maybe I should care. I don't know. But I also am like, I don't really know what's going on in the lives of these actors. It's not like, what what the hell, uh, Sean Penn, who's like clearly like an abuser. Yeah. Like everyone knows yeah. that he, it was Nicole McKinman, right? He dated? I think so, yeah. yeah. Or was married to? Like everyone knows he like literally abused her. But with Johnny Depp, as far as I'm aware, it's not necessarily as clear cut. Yeah, as far as I'm aware, it's not cut and dry. I don't, I haven't it, been following too it's, closely. It's it's not like with Bill Cosby, where like 30 people have come out and said, "Yeah, yeah. this man raped me." Yeah. Like, but I also am very like, don't like. I'm not saying that his wife or whoever is is a faker. Is a faker. Yeah. I'm just saying I don't know the situation, and also. Like, I know he's in the movie... He's in the movie for a minute. Like, yeah. and I'm like, just give him a chance, like, acting-wise. Because some people were complaining about his acting, and I'm like... He was in it for, like, yeah. Um, like, literally a minute. Yeah. Like, yeah. Someone got mad because he's not a German. I saw a complaint about that. Why don't you pick a German actor for a German character? I'm like... Well, that's not the same as, like, <laughs> when you turn a black character white. It's, yeah. He's German, whatever. <laughs> They're... Everyone who's white is probably a little German. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That is pretty stupid. I'm trying to think of a German actor. I mean, is, did they just mean, like, they mean actually German or, like, I of think German they, heritage? I guess they meant actually German. Yeah, because I was going to say, like, actually German? I mean, I'm sure somebody's out there and somebody will be like, oh, this guy. And I'll be like, oh, yeah. But, I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger is Austrian. <laughs> That's close. <laughs> But it's also, like, so many British people play Americans all the time. Yeah. I just, like, who cares? And even, like, Americans playing British people, like Wesley. Yeah. Well, isn't... Is Eddie Redmayne British? I think he is. I think yeah. he is. Yeah. And he plays an American bloke chap. He doesn't? No. <laughs> the movie. It's in America. And he's English. That's what it is. I think I meant to ask if he was American. I don't know. Where? Who cares? They're yeah. all white people. They all look the same. Just like people of every other race all look the same. Also, the accents they use are pretty much like Midwestern or Thames accents, so it's not like you're getting any... Yeah. Well, that's actually not true. There's a lot of like New York accents in this. Well, yeah. But in, for like Eddie Redmayne, he's using a Thames accent, probably, uh... They're actually called estuary accents, which is London's accent, right. and it's the same as how everybody in America who's on TV uses the Midwestern accent as like the plain accent. So it's not like you're gonna get some north Northern Irish like voice yeah. like coming, kind of, like, you know, um, or something like that. Unless you get a character like Seamus Finnegan or something. Like that. I don't. Well, how did we get here? I don't uh, even know. We're just talking about movies we saw. Talking about movies we saw. That was really good, and then we saw Moana. Oh, which was fantastic. also really, really, really good. And that was another movie that, like, I went into it wanting it to be good, but I didn't go into it expecting it to be good. Yes. Um, because, like, with all the hype Frozen got, I thought Frozen wasn't a great movie. Yeah. I thought it was fine. It did its job and little else. And so I was like, hmm we'll see but I thought it was fantastic and it actually so it's stupid but well it's not stupid I guess but I uh when Frozen came out everyone made such a big deal about how like 
yeah, there's a romance subplot, but it's not the main plot. So it's such a big step forward and so great for Disney. And it's about sisterhood before it's about like love or relationship stuff. I don't know, whatever. And that was supposed to be like empowering, I guess, because the romance plot was secondary to the rest of it. Yeah. But Moana didn't even have like zero romance, unless you count her mom and dad, who probably had sex to make her. <laughs> but never happens on screen. There's literally zero romance in the entire movie, and I have not heard a single person talk about it, like about that aspect of it. So. Yeah, I noticed that too when it I just, watched it. Yeah, and, and it's just awesome. yeah, and it just really kind of bothers me. Like Frozen got all this hype for it. When it what, I also just don't think Frozen was that good. That stuff aside, and you have this movie that comes along that I thought was really good, and definitely a lot more empowering to young girls than Frozen was, and nobody talked about it. Yeah, probably because she's brown. I think it's because she's brown. I also almost like I was like, every time like during the whole movie, I was just thinking, please don't make Maui and Moana together. Please don't make that Maui and Moana. That would be kind of... It'd be super gross because yeah. he's like hundreds of years old. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's why I was like, please, this like, not awkward. even just for like the sake of not having a romance. Like, just so right, it's just not, not gross and weird. Like, weird, statutory, rapey. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, Maui was fantastic. Like, he may be permanently a young adult, but he's still hundreds he's still of years. still hundreds of years old, yeah. <laughs> like, if they had had like, she had like a little crush on him in the beginning and then realized he was a douchebag because he kind of is. Like, maybe that would be okay, but I'm glad that, like, the whole time she's just like, I'm not dealing with your shit. Shut up. <laughs> I wish I could remember the line she says, which is like, get on my boat, basically. Oh, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't remember, I don't remember either. But go see it because it's really good. Go s- well, by the time this comes out, that will probably still be in theaters, even though all these other movies probably won't be. Yeah. Fantastic, Fantastic Beasts will probably yeah. still be in theaters. I don't think Arrival will be. It'll probably come back to theaters if it gets an Oscar, but since it's a sci-fi, it would probably get yeah. shunted for one. Um, Doctor Strange would probably still be in theaters. I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how successful it's been. Uh, it's been very successful. It was actually their most successful... Standalone? Like, new hero premiere movie. Oh, cool. Um, so, like, it was more successful than the first Iron Man, the first Captain America, the first everything. That's awesome. So, yeah, that's actually really cool. I didn't... I'm really surprised by that. Actually, to get back to that a little bit, I think one of the reasons it was so good is because it was so refreshing. Yeah. It wasn't like, I'm a superhero for some science reason who fights this, like... Yeah. Like, this supervillain. I'm it was a like, superhero for this science reason. Well, yeah. Like, yeah. it's like, like, not a super... Like, he's not a super soldier from some serum. He's not gamma radiated. He's not... Well, Thor is a god, but they're like, but it's science! Yeah. And it's like, they're like, no, it's just magic. And I'm like, I am a very rational, like... Like, I'm super for pushing like science but it is nice when you're watching fiction or yeah. like sometimes you know what I do want to like believe in magic for yeah. two hours I like, mean I'm okay with what they did with Thor I mean I know there's the one infamous line <laughs> science magic one in the same but like conceptually I am okay with it the way it yeah, is yeah, I think cons- it's cool but cause like again it's technically they're like super powered aliens yeah but they're basically still gods, like so. Yes. And they live in a fantas- fantastical world where they have adventures and stuff. So, but I do know what you mean. Yeah, and then and they even like they have like they drop a hint of it being like, oh, it's like quantum mechanics, and I'm like, yeah. but no one in the world actually understands quantum mechanics right. except for quantum physicists, and they barely understand yeah. it. So it's just like, eh, yeah, <laughs> science, totally. And they're like, uh. But yeah, I'm glad it did well. I thought it was really good. Yeah, I thought it was really cool. I'm glad it did... Oh, I don't want to say... It could be spoily if I say this. I'll say it, and then we can... I can cut it out if it's too spoily. Okay. Spoilery. I'm glad they did time travel well. Or yeah, like time control well. Yeah, I don't think that's too spoilery. Yeah. It happens pretty early yeah. in the Because I, I hate... Well, it starts pretty early in the I hate time travel done wrong. Yeah. It's just it's very easy to overdo or do wrong. Yeah, because yeah. that's just, that's it. it. It's either overdone, and you're just like 
rely on it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's if you if the hero can use it effectively, it's literally just an I win button. <coughs> yeah. So it just that was like the problem with the show Heroes, which yes. started out so so good, and then it was just like time travel everything all the time. And then they're like, oh, well, no, our time travel guy's stupid and messes up a lot. And now he can't use his powers because people got sick of time travel. And it was like, guys, just that that show was destroyed by the writer's strike. It was the number one casualty in my book. Like, Lost suffered a little bit from the writer's strike because they had like a string of, like, 10 or 12 episodes that were, like, super fillery. Yeah. Um... They weren't bad episodes. They just did nothing to advance the plot for the most part. And that was really tough. But Heroes just went so off the rails. Yeah. So they I, actually... I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, it's fine. Um, I, I remember watching Heroes faithfully, like yeah. every week, and then just dropping it. Um, the second... I had the first two seasons on DVD, back when people had series on DVDs, you know, back in the olden days. And they actually had a whole big thing at the uh, on the second season DVDs about... Because it was supposed to be a 22-episode season, and then the writer's strike happened, they had to cut it to 13 or something. They talked about how we... That they had to completely rework their plans because... I don't want to give us... So, vague-ish, very vague spoiler, if anyone's going to bother watching Heroes. At the... Half and like the mid season finale, which became the season finale because of the strike, um, the big bad guy is supposed to win. Oh, but okay. Because of the writer strike, they're like, because it was supposed to him winning, and then that being like the big cliffhanger for the second, like the back end of the season. But since they were like, oh, well, we're not going to have a show for two years, like we can't leave the viewers on that. So they changed it so he loses at like the last second, and it's all like super neatly wrapped up and just felt like really unfulfilling. But they have a whole special feature where they talk about, like, these are what our plans were and what we wanted to do. And it sounded awesome. And realistically, like, maybe it wouldn't have been. Maybe it still would have sucked. But, like, you lose two years, like, or close to two years. Like, you lose a ton of momentum, like, writing-wise, story-wise, all that. So it's just really sad to me. Yeah. Because the plan sounded cool. Anyway. Oh, you know what movie's coming out? Mm, yes, I do. Rogue One. Rogue One. Oh, there's a movie that I sure hope is good. Yeah. Just every Star Wars movie I sure hope is good. Yeah. I mean, so far, so good. The, all, the, all one. All one. <laughs> I'm a little worried about this one, I think, because it's a one-off. So if they, like, mess it up, they'll be like well it was a one off anyway yeah. like I don't want them to put in less effort right because I don't think a... they will though because it is like their first one shot and it's covering a very very important like subject era, yeah, yeah subject fitting-ish I mean it's writing and stuff yeah but yeah I mean well, do you want to tackle the unwriting question first sure <laughs> um so slappy camper ass. <laughs> How do you feel about the scholarship programs and overall tuition assistance here in America? It's stupid and bad. The end. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, if you get federal loans, you are literally beholden to the government this debt that you can't bankrupt. Yeah. So. Well, that's the thing. The fact that you can't get out of it with bankruptcy is, like... It feels illegal. Yeah, I, I mean, feel... you can get out of literally every other debt. It feels like it should be unconstitutional. Yeah. Let's make a constitutional amendment. Call your president. Elect. It's terrible. I mean, tuition assistance, I mean, it's, like, scholarship programs, it's just so hit or miss. Yeah. Like, so many of them, you have to get, like, tons of little scholarships, basically. Yeah. To add up to actually pay for everything. Yeah, they, nobody gets a full ride anymore. Yeah, nobody. Unless you're like, unless you go to star a... quarterback, and have a four point two GPA. Yeah. 
like then maybe you'll get a full ride somewhere. Or if you get into an Ivy League school and well, have no money. Yeah, and you're poor. Yeah. Then you get a full ride. Because then it doesn't come from federal assistance. Yeah, it comes from, it comes from the, the, the endowment of yeah. the school. Which well, is no, which is cool. Not every Ivy League school does that, though. Okay. If you go to University of Penn, yeah, Penn yeah. like my brother. <laughs> um, I think it's Princeton has... I only know this because my aunt works for Penn. Princeton has an endowment that's like six times the size of Penn's. Like, they could literally never charge tuition again and never run out of money, and they still make you pay to go. I think it's Princeton. I could be wrong about the school, but it's one of the Ivy League schools. But I'm like... It's terrible. Yeah. Like, you literally... They literally can't spend all of this money. It's literally impossible. It's theoretical numbers. (laughs) All right. Let's see. What else? Oh, and the other one was... Okay, so someone asked us if we have any DM tips and how do you plot a story for... Um, you said the last one was from Slappy Camper. We have to yeah. tell everyone. This is from Existentially Dreadful Camper. Yes. Yeah. There's a theme here. How do you plot a story for DMing? So, we've definitely mentioned it before, I think, but we are both... We both enjoy tabletop role-playing games. Yes. If we've never mentioned that before. We like to role-play games that are tabletops on tabletops tabletops. although not exclusively we've played on the floor we've played on probably those are still yeah those are the only two places we've played (laughs) that's that's okay though kind of on the computer yeah we can diversify yeah but so me and mike both have gm'd game mastered or dm dungeon mastered if you're from the old school dnd yeah crowd but i think they've uh like trademarked the term dm yeah so everything else is gm yeah or what is it called it the marshall oh uh, yeah marshall and deadlands deadlands yeah. which is pretty great so we both write stories and stuff see the thing so the thing for that is it's it's in a, a short span of time like i have to be able to get my like players involved and engaged for let's just say three hours three or four hours um and i have to like it has to be quick and engaging in that time everyone needs to participate my recent like basically how i've at this point my way of doing it is making sure there's like about five challenges yeah now those challenges don't they could be a fight it could be a. I'm trying to. Th- okay, I've run out of things. It could be a fight. Josh's <laughs> games are very one dimensional. It could be a social conflict. Yeah, it could be a sh- social conflict. Like someone, like. It could be a trade embargo. I know that sounds boring, but. <laughs> we're getting Star Wars prequel up in here. Yeah. It could be, like, traps. I did, like, one session that was, like, almost exclusively traps. That went well. That was pretty... I thought it was fun. It was a fun session. It was fun. It was funny because I had a way for you guys to predict, like, kind of predict what was coming. But you guys were just like, yeah, let's just rush in there. My character was like, look, let's just run in there. He's supposed to be the headstrong, dumb one. But for some reason, everyone just follows him all the time. (laughs) I can't help that. I don't... I didn't ask to be the leader. I remember the one I first played Trib, which is the game uh, Micron's tri- Tribulation, and there's a podcast about it once. Yeah, there was a podcast about it once. It might come back some point, maybe. I'm not gonna get your hopes up. <laughs> yeah, but it was it was literally like the first session, and we like meet this like basically minor deity who's like a nature goddess. And everyone's like, what do we do? Should we shoot it? I was like, well, maybe we should talk to it. And everyone's like, well, who's going to talk to it? And I was like, I guess my character will. I have a lot of social skills. And they're like, okay. And then I, like, talk to it and, like, completely avoid a fight with it. Yeah. Like, we had, like, fights before with, like, her minions or whatever. And, yeah, just completely avoid a fight with it. Yeah, and it I was, was like, just a big misunderstanding. And I was like am I the leader? Like, like, I literally had this, I was like, oh no. (laughs) 
<laughs> and then that lasted for a little while until people realized that Moses probably shouldn't be the leader. It's funny because I still feel like he still kind of yeah. is like definitely socially. Yeah, the social leader. He's not like the he doesn't lead the charge in battle. But like, well, sometimes he does. He <laughs> shouldn't. But yeah. yeah, he only leads the charge in battle when it makes sense character-wise for him too. But yeah, so usually I try to think of challenges that make sense for the context like but that also advance the story right. or give them different like depending on how they tackle those challenges how they could affect the story yeah i mean that's i think the best and the best thing about tabletop role playing games for me and i think the most challenging especially for newer or less experienced gms granted i know there are people out there with like tons more experience than me but I feel like I do okay. I've been doing it for four years now, so it's a little bit of experience. I really think the hardest thing to get over, basically, is that what you want to happen as the GM, who's, your job is to tell the story, or to facilitate the story. And what you want to happen won't always happen. And you need to be okay with that, and you need to be able to adapt to that, and you need to be able to figure out what to do on the fly. It's like a reader beware you choose the scariest <laughs> which god those were so good but i'd always cheat well i think it's it, even if you are, you can even take this from a writer like if you really want to have character centric books and not plot centric books you right. need to be ready for like your character to kind of take its own life yeah. and do something that you didn't, like maybe you like oh you know be a really cool plot if like the character did this and this and this and you're like but then you realize while writing the book, like, this character would never do that. Yeah. Like, that's not something they would ever right. do. And I'm like, and if you follow the character instead of following the plot, that it's basically, that's how GMing is. You, you're five or four, however many people are playing with you, those are the characters you're following. Right. And, and you're giving them the backdrop to do what they want to do. To do what they want to do. Um, yeah. And then if you don't do that, you end up railroading and then people just get angry if you want to railroad a story, like, if you can never get over the fact that the characters are going to do what they want to do, then you should just write a story. Right. You shouldn't, like, because... Because it's interactive storytelling. It's storytelling with a group of people. Like, you might be the one who comes up with the outline of the story and the framework, but other people create the characters, and then you literally... It's, you're the GM. It's your fault. You set them loose in your world you created. <laughs> so you can't get mad at them when they do something you don't want them to. And it's... I mean, sometimes that's tough, and sometimes a little bit of railroading is okay. Like, if you're just trying to steer people back on track, I think. Yeah. But, like, if people don't want to talk to this guy that you created to talk to them, you can't just say, no, you have to talk to him. I mean... You can start getting creative and, like, force them into situations where they don't have a good choice and they kind of have to do it. And sometimes you can hide those really well within the story. And other times it's just very clear when you're doing it. So yeah. it's all about, like, having a light touch, like, when you do need to do it. Um, but, but I also think, like, if you, if you think about it, like... It's almost true for real life. You get into situations where you have to make choices you don't want to make. Right. So, like, if you're if you're just like, it's not always forcing the players into. And then sometimes you have to think that they're the bad guys or the NPCs. They are characters too who are going to make choices. Like, if a bad guy wants to get away, it might like blow up a wall to block someone from passing through. And yeah, that might frustrate the players. Like. I could have been able to get past there. It was like, but yeah, he doesn't want to die though. He's right. not just going to let you come and chase right. him like or kill it's, him. I mean, the best tabletop games in my experience are when you're playing in like a living world. Like one dimensional characters are boring and unfun. And it's fine if the one, if you have like the evil necromancers, skeleton minions who are just, stupid flunkies who get in the hero's way and slow them down like yeah those guys the hero should be able to wipe them out yeah but when they come against the evil necromancer he should have some kind of depth or some kind of plot to him or this is getting really specific because that was literally just happened in the game josh runs but that was the first thing that popped in my head for an example <laughs> um 
Well, like, that was also a bad guy who was built up over, like, months of play. Yeah. Who, like, we'd be like, we can't wait to meet this guy so we can kill him. Um, that was pretty satisfying, killing him. Yeah. Um, and then I had him resurrect and then be killed by yeah. a god. Yeah. Because um, I was like, guys, wait, let me play out the scene before you get mad. It'll be it's funny. Back. Don't yell at me. <laughs> yeah, sometimes... That's the other thing, though. Like, you as the GM get really invested because it's, like, your story that you're telling. But it's really everybody's story, and everybody gets really invested. So you also have to be willing to roll with the, like, out-of-character frustration and anger sometimes, too. Because somebody will be like, oh, that's bullshit. I wanted to do this. And you're like, well, sorry, that didn't happen. And... It's okay to get mad about that because I mean people get disappointed and but don't keep being like that. Yeah. It's but yeah, like I don't know. I feel like people awesome. have this idea of tabletop gaming in their head as being a bunch of like nerds who sit around in their parents' basement and play a game and it's not entirely untrue, <laughs> but... Well, we sure did that for a while at Sam's that's house. That's true, yeah. <laughs> I feel like there's a lot more to it, and there's obviously a lot of negative stereotypes around it. One of the funniest ones, I think, is, like, it's only dudes who play these games. But And it's that's not an untrue stereotype in a lot of cases. Like, statistically, I think there are a lot more guys who play these games than girls. But in our group of people who do this, we are, like, very evenly split, which is pretty funny, I think. Yeah. And even in, like, the characters played, too. Right. Like, we make an... I feel like there's people make an effort to balance it out yeah. even to a point. But diverse group. Yeah. I also make an effort when I invite people to games to try to make it yeah. like more balanced. Like, I feel like it'd be kind of lame to play with all guys in one group. Like, yeah. I mean, I'd be okay with that for like, a short game, but, like, long-term session, or long-term, like, campaign, eh, it's like, okay, I mean, I guess it's just, in the end, to me, like, I definitely want to include as many people as possible, but some people are better players than others, and yeah. you can't just, like, at the same time, it's like, oh, I want to balance this out, so I want to invite this person, when you have someone who's a much, much better player, and not even like better's not even the right word. Invested is the right a much, word. Yeah, much more um, invested. Like it's a much different game when you have like Tribulation, the game I run, started with five players, we have six now. But everybody is like super invested in the game and super invested in what happens in the story and super invested in their characters. And that makes the game so much I don't want to say easier to run because it presents its own challenges sometimes, but it's so much more rewarding to run yeah. because I know how everybody feels about it. I know how excited they are to play. I know how excited they are afterwards or how depressed they are afterwards when they lose an arm or something. But <laughs> that really does make a huge difference. So we got a little off track with this question, but I feel like we... I, I want to say real quick to any people who are playing... playing for maybe for existentially dreadful camper. Yeah. Uh, be a good character player. Right. Be really be really mindful of what your character does. Don't do stuff that doesn't make sense. I'm not saying like like at one point at some point you're supposed to be having fun and making choices that you as a player want to make. But also really like don't do something that doesn't make sense because I what I was saying before is that it's really character driven plot right like if you want to write a story write a story like if you rather would make a really cool world with a, it's a cool backdrop with story threads that they right. can like tug on and, and follow that story I'm getting more and more sandboxy as my jamming goes yeah that's that's fine but you have to have players who are ready to commit fully to those characters. Uh, and basically. players who are willing to tug those plot threads. Yeah, that's true. Instead of just standing there and being like, uh... Yeah. So, I mean, depending on your playgroup, it might be better to have a very focused, small-scale, like, one- or two-session game. And then, depending on other players, like, I've been running Tribulation for over three years now? I'll have to ask Sam. She's my bookkeeper. <laughs> but, uh... 
like I haven't run anything else that long, and I haven't wanted to run anything else that long. Sorry to anybody else I play or run games for, but I mean, it's just it's a different thing, and I mean, some games aren't meant to go for three years. I think most games aren't, aren't meant to go three right, years. and I think we just happen to get lucky. Um, but yeah, I think the big thing people get hung up about, both as a GM and a player, is winning. Which, don't get me wrong, first of all, okay, that's always wrong as a GM. As yeah. a GM, your job is not to beat the players, your job is to facilitate the players, make them have fun. And if the players, like if a character dies or something bad happens to the players, that can be your fault, but you don't win. You yeah. just created more story. Like, really, the most interesting stories do come from conflict, so if, as a GM, you make everything super easy for your characters and nothing bad ever happens, then it I feel like it'd get pretty boring. But conversely, as a player, if you're always making like out-of-character decisions to make sure you get the very best result, then I, what's the point? Like At that point, I don't know. I feel like you're not in the spirit of the game or the spirit of what it's supposed to be. Did you guys take some of the chicken? No. Okay, Xander ate a bunch of the chicken. Were you paying attention to Xander? No. <sighs> Can this stay in here? <laughs> I wish everyone could see me putting my head in my hand. He is literally the fattest cat on earth. And he's not even that fat somehow. But he ate all of our dinner. Oh my god. He ate all of it. He probably ate all probably There's probably like three pieces of chicken left. Well, also that means he put his face in our salad. No, it wasn't in the salad yet. So Was he just put, the raw chicken put his face chicken? in the chicken. chicken. You can throw it back in the pan, I guess, god. to sanitize it. Awful thing. You saw him eat... <laughs> you saw how he was with the stupid... What did we make the other day? Beef stew. And you just let it sit there? You saw him trying to get into the treat? I think he has worms or something. I don't think so. There's gotta be something wrong with him. Maybe he has a hole in his stomach. He looks too self-satisfied. Alright, I don't know where, where we went. Where we are now. Hell. How long have we been recording? A while. A while. I know, like, like, the first, like, 10 or 15 minutes, I don't think we're anything. Yeah. He, he can't have eaten more than like two a pound. pieces. I thought you said two or three pounds. Maybe four pieces. You just said he ate all of the chicken. No, I said he ate a lot of the he chicken. Ate a lot. So that's more than 50%, was like what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah. He ate like 20% of the chicken. That's still a lot. That is still <laughs> a lot. Especially when it's covered in garlic. For like an 11 pound cat, maybe? Yeah, I don't think garlic is good for cats. No, it's not. It's the same as onions. It's not as bad, though. Um, okay, so... Getting oh, us still recording. I'm back sorry. on track. To be a good GM, facilitate your players. Don't try and beat your players. Um, when crafting your story, be prepared for your players to go off track or want to do something else. And also, try and be reasonable about the amount you plan and amount you want people to accomplish. Because yeah. if you over-plan... That's usually fine if it makes sense to pick it back up later. Um, if you underplan, you end up winging entire story arcs and one of your player characters ends up with a baby. So, yeah. I wing so much. <laughs> I am, like, the most improv GM. Yeah. I just... I think it's more of me having trouble sitting down and... Yeah. Just, I mean, I also think for our group, I think you kind of have to be. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't know how many of them actually listen to the podcast, but things can get a little wacky. Yeah. And not that none of that is ever my <laughs> fault either. But I mean, sometimes like I I, I feel like wackiness, like yeah. with the skeleton warriors. Yeah. But like I wanted them to be silly. Like yeah. Cause, like, oh yeah, there's definitely a difference there. Cause that's like trying to have silly fun versus yeah. trying to do crazy things like play a concert at the electric factory <laughs> yep he doesn't listen so, uh, i i thought that like that was funny but then i feel like he tried to do like 
that and three other things yeah. that like had nothing to do with the plot. And he did that every week. Yeah. So. And then every week he he just failed terribly and got booed off the stage every yeah. time. Yeah. No, no, he did good one time. He did good one at time the, at the benefit concert or like whatever it was protest concert. Yeah. Um, we do have a new viewer question. Oh man. I didn't even know. Um, so we'll get to that real quick from Grandpa. That's camping Grandpa. Jim Mack, he's really old. His question is, what is the best show outside of Game of Thrones, and why is it Westworld? <laughs> because Westworld's great, that's why, and I'd argue it might be better than Game of Thrones. Yeah, I can see I that. I went there, yeah. I mean... I, I wouldn't necessarily argue that it's better than Game of Thrones, but I would... My problem with Game of Thrones is it's not original work, and I mean... Technically, I guess Westworld isn't either because it's ve- it's inspired by a Michael Crichton movie. Inspired is, by is different. Right, I say it's super, super loosely based on that. So, whereas Game of Thrones is well less and less as it goes on, but directly inspired, directly related to the books, yeah. which doesn't mean it can't be a great show. Like it pulled all of its plot and characters from the right. book. But, yeah, it means less to me when it's a show based on something, you yeah. know what I mean? So, I have more. I guess I should say I have more creative respect for Westworld. Yes. Which is fantastic, and Anthony Hopkins is, like, a god. So, if you haven't watched Westworld and you like westerns, Anthony Hopkins... Sci-fi. Transhuman sci-fi, whores, there's a lot of those in it. Yeah, sex, guns. Guns, I like guns. I guess that falls under Western. I mean, I guess we could have just kept it like Western plot twists and transhuman sci-fi, yeah. But plot twists that don't hinge the show isn't hinged right, on. Right, they're just cool plot twists. Yeah. The show is good with or without them. It's really, really well done, and all the acting's fantastic. Anthony Hopkins is great. Jeffrey Wright is marvelous. He's he's a delight. That's Bernard. That's Bernard. Okay. Yeah. Um. The whole thing's really Bernard. good. God, Anthony Hopkins is so good in that. Yeah. And, oh man, my favorite, Kyle Johnson. Kyle Johnson, <laughs> a.k.a. James Marston, a.k.a. Teddy. A.k.a. Cyclops. Yeah, a.k.a. Cyclops. <laughs> a.k.a. that one, uh, Chris, Chris Cross from... Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> from... <laughs> Which he's really good in. He's yeah. really funny in that. Yeah. In uh, 30 Rock. God, that what a good show. Okay, uh, that time I'm in 30 Rock, but Westworld is better than 30 Rock, yeah, I, w- I would say. That's true. 30 Rock is one of the best sitcoms, I'd say, out there. Okay. Um, I don't think it's my favorite sitcom. Yeah. At the moment, that's probably Parks and Rec. Yeah. Out of everything I've ever watched. I, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of other sitcoms. I mean, I was really, really big on The Office, too. Yeah. I, I mean, still need to give it a fair chance. Yeah. I remember watching it as a kid and liking it, but not watching it straight through. Just yeah. liking Michael Scott as a character. He's pretty good. Like, thinking he was silly because I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, he is silly. Also, there was a girl who looked like Pam from The Office that I had a crush on in high school. So you just watched it and, like, gave her the eyes? Is he practiced talking to her? Like, No! <laughs> should have. She got mad when I told her she looked like Pam from The Office. She was like, why does everyone say that? Yeah. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Not that Pam from The Office isn't attractive, but I guess if somebody always tells you you look like somebody, yeah. it gets kind of old. It's like sophomore year of high school. She's in my art class. That's funny, because Pam's an artist. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's also a song that... Uh, Patent Pat Pending has a line from a song. I can't remember the name of the song, but she's like, it's like, I write songs for... Uh, Pam from the office because I think that she's hot. I don't remember like the next line. I don't remember That's anything it. else. That's the one thing that stays <laughs> If Jenna Fisher's listening, <laughs> I also think that. James Marston or not uh, Marston. Well, James Marston is hot, yeah. but also James Marston. Yeah. That's why I based a character in a game off of him. Getting back full circle or half semi-circle. All right. So is that? Do we have any other questions? I think that's Sam it. also said, I don't know if this is relevant to the pop uh, podcast. She's also, by the way, miserable camper. Should I buy the rest of the Unfortunate Event books? Yes. Do it. 
you're already halfway through. Why would you yeah. not finish that? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's something. Be prepared to be depressed, but also amused. It's basically how those books go. Basically how I live my life. <laughs> depressed, but amused. Yeah. Oh, uh, we never got to the, that. Oh, Do speaking we'll of leave depressed, it, but leave amused. Leave it for next week? Yeah, we'll leave that for next week. Okay. Spoilers. Spoilers. It's about being depressed and amusing. <laughs> well, I meant like muse, like a uh, space oh. muse. Yeah, that's that's funnier. <laughs> okay, we'll get to it next week. Bye.